0: so excited my guest this week is Maya Huchan and is the author of saving face how to preserve dignity and build trust which actually hits the shelves in early June and I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy to read Um, Maya is also the founder and president of global leadership associates she's a globally recognized management consultant executive coach and speaker who's trained and coached thousands of leaders from Fortune 500 corporations, non-profits, and public sectors in North America, Asia, Europe, Australia, and Latin America. So Maya, I think it's safe to say you have a global perspective. So given all of that breadth of experience, help me understand the journey that led you to write this book, Saving Face.
1: Thank you, Marek. First of all, I want to say I am so excited to be on your show. And I have um, been looking forward to this conversation with you. So, thank you. Uh, So, I have been working with leaders around the world as their coach and also educator in leadership development for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I have learned so much about their frustrations, their challenges, their success stories over the years. And I have shared with them one concept that resonates with leaders around the world and all industries and across the world. And this is so essential for their leadership success, but it's also counterintuitive sometimes. And it's the concept of face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, face is a universal concept beyond its origins of Asia. Mm-hmm. And the concept of face permeates all levels of social and business interactions. It speaks to the common human desire to be accepted and respected. So, you know, when you hear the term, it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. The real issue is often about face. So um, I have decided to write about this topic Um Many years ago, and as I started putting these ideas together, my hope is that, you know, this book will serve as a catalyst for all forms of communication, not only for business leaders and entrepreneurs and uh, managers, but also Mm -hmm. hopefully it will be helpful to anyone who wants to improve how they relate to others. For example, how teachers relate to their students, how parents communicate with their children, and you know, how we work with our neighbors and friends in so many different other social contexts. Okay. And so that was the reason that I uh, decided to write this book.
0: It's funny, even listening to you there, that anecdote takes me back to my first career in finance, where I remember being told, it's not personal, it's business. And I think you and I both agree that, no, business is personal. And in fact, you can't be successful in business or in life unless you're successful in uh, cultivating winning relationships, which is the theme of my book. But what stood out for me as I was reading yours and even in the preface, you just built it up. It's brilliant. I want to read it. So I'm not going to get this wrong. In the preface, you say building authentic and lasting human relations may be the most important calling for leaders in this century at which point I went, ah. Um, so I agree. What, so from your perspective, what makes that ability so critical at this time?
1: Well, as you and I have talked about
0: earlier before the show is that
1: we, we are, we're living in a very challenging world right now, that there's so many things happening in our world that's unprecedented. Now, as leaders, that they are, uh, we're facing many, many challenges. Not only at work, but also um, in our personal life as well. Now, leaders are working co- increasingly with diverse teams. They continue mm-hmm. to have to work across geography, time zones, across cultural, genders, and generations. So that leaders must be able to move in many circles and uh, think in many different perspectives. So diversity is absolutely the challenges that leaders are facing every day. And with the pandemic, that we are also noticing nowadays, everybody is working from home. Mm -hmm. So the virtual team has been going on for many years, but nowadays it really permeates every aspect of our work life. And so leaders have to use technology to communicate with their, with their team members, with their business partners, and there's a lot of t- opportunities to actually uh, 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 create misunderstandings because of this new way of working remotely and because you simply lack of face-to-face interactions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And on top of that, every day we are uh, experiencing the impact of social media. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> When, where it is so easy to offend or insult someone without a normal check and balance mm-hmm. um, of having to actually confront them face-to-face with your slight. And, you know, it's something that we all have to be aware of because a lot of times when we are, um, if we say something or post something that, that may have created a misunderstanding or mistrust or a potential conflict, and then we can do it unintentionally. So uh, because of all the dis- unprecedented um, challenges that's happening in the world, that I find that building authentic and lasting human relations, it's so important for leaders in this century. Um, and then if we can master the concept of faith to be able to in- intentionally um, watch out for how we work and how we show up, and then hopefully that we can create a more positive and lasting, authentic relationship with people that we come in contact with. Mm -hmm.
0: So you, you talk about this concept of face, you touched on it earlier on. So I would love for you to just tell a story or an anecdote that helps us to understand what you mean by face. And as importantly, the how do you honor face? How do we lose face? And how do we save face? Yes, sir
1: those, those are absolutely the, the key concepts before we dive in let me tell you a, a story mm-hmm. that uh, it's a it's a true story of a, a, a leader that I've been coaching and um, let's just call her Linda it's not a true name but Linda works for a software company okay. and she has been using slack it's a, a as a platform to communicate with her team her team is scattered around the world now when she's communicate with her team using Slack, that she basically uses it for everything. She uses it to distribute information, share, uh, uh, share information, and uh, assign tasks. And also, she uses it to give feedback to her team members. And she uses it all day long to, uh, to, to as, as a primary uh, platform to communicate with her team. Now, so when she started using it, of course, to, to, to provide feedback, that she didn't realize that that the, the the person who received those feedback are devastated when they received those feedback because mm-hmm. it was for everyone to see, mm-hmm. and um, not only those messages impact the person who receives it, but also everybody else that's reading that message start to think, oh gosh, I feel so bad for that person, and I I don't want to be in that position myself. So then. What happened was that over time, that in her mind, she was being efficient, she's being transparent, and, uh, but then the impact was that she actually created a fear-based culture, that her team members stopped speaking up. They don't they don't wanna take any chances, and they're very afraid of, of making mistakes, and then so become risk averse, and that they stop sharing their ideas and mm-hmm. open up. So over time, the team become disengaged, and uh, the performance has suffered significantly. So when she finally came to me, we, uh, 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 she was in a coaching engagement, we started looking at what is the root cause of the team issue. And then we identified this is really, this is the core, that's the root cause of it. So um took her and then she started to change the way she communicates, right? And then because, because of the, the, the action she had, she had caused her team members to lose face. And then so she started taking critical messages and feedback offline mm-hmm. and started to provide more positive recognition um, online. And uh, it, takes, it took her six months to turn things around and to rebuild that trust. And this experience has completely transformed the way she leads by being more mindful and more intentional about her actions, her words, and her behaviors. So now speaking of that, you know, so the concept of face was at play in this whole Mm -hmm. dynamic, right? Uh, So what is the definition of face? So the definition of face is that it is a universal concept. And what it stands for is that it represents individual's Mm -hmm. self-esteem, self-worth, your identity, reputation, status, pride, and dignity. So... When you think of those words, a um, face represents an individual inside and out. It's the whole person. It's who, the essence of who you are. And face also represents not only how you see yourself, but also how other people perceive you. Okay. Okay, so um, when, you ex- when you experience problems or in relationships or conflicts at work or lack of engagement, at its core, it often has to do with face, but people may not actually use the word face. They may not actually say, I feel like I've lost face at work. Mm-hmm. Much more likely, they will say something like, my boss doesn't appreciate what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't really treat my idea seriously. I don't feel I'm being heard, um, or I don't feel I belong. Okay? When you hear those type of statements, A lot of times when you look deeper, that usually has to do with the concept of face.
0: So it's interesting because it's actually complex because there's the inside out view. And many people I assume are focused on my own ego driven, I've got to save my face. Maybe I honor my own face and my own values by saying no to things. And I certainly don't want to lose face. But there's also that outside in perspective of, Those drivers for me, but also the outside in of am I considering and honouring your face? Am I helping you not to lose face? It it is a true relationship dynamic. It's a two way street. It's not enough just for me to do it. Am I helping you to do it?
1: Yes, and Marek, I think you um, hit a really important point there. It says sometimes when we hear about, oh, I'm saving face, um, or oh, I don't want to lose face, usually have, people are referring to that as thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. But the focus of this book, has a, it really is changing that perspective. Not only you want to preserve face for yourself, but most importantly, in order to create authentic positive relationship, we need to start looking at how can I honor face for someone, or how can I keep somebody from losing face, and by saving face for them. And then there are many ways we can do that. You um, know, so in, in a book, that there are some specific things that we can do, and then they're not rocket science. There can be something that <laughs> it's simply that require us to be more aware and pay pay attention of the that interaction
0: because it is being aware and being present in the moment, because I'm yet to meet anybody, very, very small percentage, but I've yet to meet anybody who deliberately sets out to cause somebody else to lose face. But it can be a throwaway comment I make, or I forget to include you in a conversation. All of that can have the knock-on effect. So I'm sure you've got a favorite story here about a leader who helped somebody to save face versus, Taking it away from them and undermining them. So, how would you demonstrate yeah, that?
1: Absolutely. So, um, let me first explain the three key concepts of face. Mm-hmm. And so, number one is about honoring face. What I mean by that is that imagine face is like our social currency, right? And the more face you have, the easier and faster it is that you can get things done. So imagine that you're building a supply of faith with someone that that you work with, or someone that you you met, and by continuously making that deposit, and then we build trust, we express gratitude and appreciation, we compliment them, and we also recognize them for their contribution, we give them credit when credit is due. Or we empathize, Mm -hmm. right? And we put ourselves in their position, and to understand their challenges, and we give their voice equal time and weight. And we do that over time, making that deposit. When we need to make a withdrawal, that we're care- careful not to make that someone lose face. We provide feedback in a way that save face and preserve dignity for them. Mm-hmm. And if we mistakenly cause them to lose face, the relationship can still be saved. Okay. There, there yeah. are enough deposits to cover the withdrawal. Right, and so when we think about honoring face, it's really about making that deposit of face, and you know, uh, we're we're telling the other person that I see you, I hear you, you matter. Okay, so um, there are many ways that we can we can honor face for someone, and uh, I gave some examples earlier, but I think there there um, there are small, simple actions that we can take. To really make the other person feel that they're valued and respected, and and I remember one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou. Oh which yes, says, right. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you make them feel. feel. hmm Powerful. That's how you honor face for someone. Now, the other concept about lo- is about losing face. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, losing face uh, describes conditions where people feel devalued, humiliated, or unappreciated. Okay? And when people lose face, it provoke a, a wide range of negative emotions, such as shame, embarrassment, fear, guilt, vulnerability. And those negative feelings can directly impact how well they perform at work, how much they speak up, how much they share their ideas, and even how long they stay on the job. Okay, so um, I like to think of losing face. Um, that, you know, as there's a metaphor of when I when I was growing up in Taiwan mm. that um, there is a thousand year old proverb that I heard from my uh, my parents and teachers. Is it goes like this: spilled water is hard to regain. Okay. Now, imagine that you accidentally spill a glass of water, and the water is spilled all over the floor. How hard is it to get it all back mm-hmm. in the glass? It's nearly impossible, right? Yeah. Now, even if you manage to get some back into the glass, do you still want to drink it?
0: Three-second rule. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, right?
1: So what this proverb t- teaches is that we have to be careful about our action in and words if something that's 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 once you said something you have done something it changes the relationship and a lot of times it's difficult to repair so as leaders that we wanted to make sure that we don't get on the autopilot mm-hmm. but we're working with people from diverse backgrounds when we, when we say something or work out with working with others to we, we, we don't want to cause someone to lose face unintentionally. You know, things like what the example I share with them about Linda, she sent out those, those, inf- those messages on Slack, not thinking what is the impact on the other, the other person, right? And how do you give negative feedback in public? And how do you challenge or disagree with someone? And how do you acknowledge somebody's rec- uh, 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 contribution? And even sometimes that you you uh, you cut somebody off, you don't even know you've done it. You interrupt somebody when they're speaking. You tell expensive jokes, and there's much more to that. And we we may cause somebody to lose face, we don't even know it. You know? And so that takes us to the next uh, uh, concept: is about saving face. So saving face is it's authentic and intentional act of turning around a situation to preserve dignity for all parties involved for a positive outcome. So how can we do that effectively? It's really require um, an intentional uh, kind of uh, act of really recognize that this is a situation and uh, how can I prevent this from getting worse or from even happening? And that requires emotional intelligence and also a very intentional act from the leader's part.
0: Yeah. I remember reading in the book, you were talking about um, the old adage of treat others as you would wish to be treated. And your correct um, re-correction of it is no, treat others as they would wish to be treated, which brings us to cultural agility and how that affects face. Can you say more about that?
1: Absolutely. Well, so um, cultural agility for today's leaders that we need to, um, you know, work with people from diverse backgrounds, whether domestically, locally, or in a global business environment. We need to attract, retain, and motivate team members and our employees and business partners. And we have to move in many circles and we have to, you know, think in different styles. And we have to be intentional about our actions. So, cultural agility speaks to this ability to look at a situation from a business perspective and cultural perspective, okay? And then we manage the situation to achieve business results in a way that works effectively within the cultural context, okay? And so um, being able to develop the cultural agility is so helpful and important for leaders to be successful in today's world. Um, So let me give you a, a, um, a quick example. Uh, yes, do. How a user can apply this now in the book? I have a a model called Triple A model, and so Triple A model speaks for three different A. Triple uh, uh, is an acronym, right? So it, it represents aware, acquire, and adopt. Okay. Okay. So first of all, this uh, the, the story goes like this: a client of mine, uh, is American manager wrote an email to his employee, a team member, in another country and uh, this team member, English is not his first language. So so the American manager wrote an email and asked this employee to uh, perform a certain task uh, by a certain date. And uh, the employee um, wrote back a few hours later with simply two words in that email, no way. <laughs> yeah, and then so as you can see that the the manager is not pleased with that email, and he, at first he was actually quite upset. He said, "Well, how 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 disrespectful and how rude of this is this email?" Right? I'm his boss, and how can he write something like this? And so he started writing an angry email back to uh, to respond to to this uh, this employee. And as he was writing the email and then he stepped back and then kind of re- re-read his, uh, his own email he realized that the tone was come across as very angry and aggressive. Oh, yes. So he stopped and then thought about it. He said, well, this employee has been working with me for almost a year. He has been diligent, hardworking, and he's smart, and he's always been very respectful. So I'm wondering why he would write this email like this. So he said, well, before I send this angry email back, let me just pick up the phone and talk to him, right? So then he did. He picked up the phone and asked the employee, tell me about um, this email. What happened? Um, you know, what's going on? So the this employee was very apologetic and explaining that the deadline the manager gave him, that he actually had two other deadlines in the same week. So he is not able to complete the the new project um and then you know and then he went on and gave a detailed explanation about why he couldn't do it and what the other two projects were and so the american manager of course say oh okay well i i can see that okay no worries we can extend the deadline for this new project but why didn't you explain this in the email and instead you wrote down no way and the employees were English is not my first language. So mm-hmm. it's gonna take me a couple hours to write this email to explain yeah. everything I just told you. Uh, but you know what? I know that Americans, I watch American movies and TVs, and they, you know, I know I, I'm learning English. I wanted to be more direct. And then so use <laughs> no way And the movies. Yeah. Seem pretty, pretty common to say, I can't do it means no way, right? And so that's why I'm using this. That's like uh, American slang. Now, he didn't know that this was offensive. <laughs> yes. So anyway, so now later on, so that, of course, the manager explained to him what it means actually and how it come across. So they had a, a good laugh about it. Uh, but then this is a good example of how this manager actually used the AAA model. First of all, he's aware that, wait a minute, this email was quite aggressive that I am sending back. So yeah. he step back, he is aware of his own assumptions, uh, his own behaviors, and then even his own bias. He realized that that was uh, probably not the best way to deal with it. He step back and look at it, have that self-awareness. And then he pick up the phone, he acquired the second aid, acquired more information. He seek to understand his employees' perspective. And where was he coming from? Why did he write that email back to him? and then he realized he learned that that was a misunderstanding there was also a cultural difference that at play so adapt was the third a
2: mm-hmm.
1: he adapted his um, his uh, his mindset and also his 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 approach and then he worked out a new deadline with the employee and that was a thoughtful approach and then also he took the time to explain to the employee what this word no way actually means in American culture so those apply the AAA model to have that awareness and acquire information and adapt your actions can work really well across cultures and across all kinds of human differences to really build a mutual understanding and cultural agility
0: I love this and you talked earlier on about the concept of deposits in the bank which we do with every interaction you're either putting money into the relationship bank or you're taking money out and when I'm working with leaders I'm often talking about how how long does it take to build a trusting relationship where we assume positive intent from the get-go and it's an interesting um, conversation that usually ensues but it comes down to what you talk about as psychological safety so how, what is psychological safety and how can a leader create a foundation of psychological safety that provides a foundation for the relationship that moves forward?
1: Yes, so psychological safety um, is directly linked to faith. Okay. Okay. So what is the definition of psychological safety? Um, this definition is actually from, uh, um, uh, Amy Edmondson. She's a, uh, from Harvard Business School. She wrote that psychological safety is a sense of confidence that the team will not embarrass, reject, or punish someone for speaking up. Mm, it right. describes a, a team climate characterized by interpersonal trust and mutual respect in which people are comfortable being themselves. So, when we think about psychological safety, that um, that remind me of a, a, a Google study
2: mm-hmm.
1: that was done a few years ago. Right? They they survey and studied their teams around the world and try to identify what makes a team great. And it comes down to it that there there are it's number one factor with psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And the psychological safety involves in two specific behaviors. Number one is called conversation turn-taking. How do we communicate with each other as a team? So in a team meetings, for example, that everyone and the team feels that they have said what they wanted to say, they don't hold back. And at the end of the meeting that they felt like they have been able to share their thoughts And everyone roughly have the equal amount of time to speak and communicate, share their ideas. So that's number one is conversation turn-taking. And the second behavior, it's called high level of social sensitivity. So that has to do with empathy. That team members are paying attention to each other and not just the word they're saying, but also their gestures, their expressions, and then to really pay attention to the, the verbal and nonverbal cues of other team members, so that they demonstrate empathy with other with each other. So when you have those two key behaviors, and you actually create a psychological safety environment that people feel free to be themselves, to voice their opinions, and to share their ideas and ask questions, um, you know, and the, when, when people feel safe. They tend to take more risk, mm-hmm. they're more creative, and they stick their mind, and they also feel more empowered to take actions, and also their energy tend to focus on the common goals and the problem-solving rather than protecting themselves. And this directly impacts the bottom line. It's huge. Uh, it's
0: huge. Yes. Right? we all win when we have psychological safety. So if I'm listening to this as a team leader, I recognize I could do more to invest in psychological safety on the team. What's, what's the first thing I can do? Some simple steps. You said it's not rocket science, so. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. So there are um, there are a few things I think leaders can do. And I think I can, uh, number one is to lead by example, okay? Mm-hmm. Being the first one to, to, uh, to admit that perhaps um, I don't know everything, or I don't have all the answers, or if you made a mistake, admit that you're wrong, to demonstrate your humility and vulnerability and ask questions, show interest in the work and knowledge of others, ask people for feedback, and acknowledge the criticism when it's appropriate. Okay? And uh, you know, demonstrate those kind of humility really can set a good example for the rest of the team and uh, to create a culture of no blame Mm-hmm. And cultural that people are more free to speak up, and so that's number one is that leaders must lead by example. And number two is that even though that to, to create a uh, inclusive cultural, leaders have to first demonstrate, but you also want to get everybody involved, okay? And so make sure that you encourage people to speak up, and then catch each other when well, you notice that there is mm-hmm. a kind of behavior that excludes others or perhaps uh, some people are quiet and not, not being heard, invite them in. Vitamin, and everybody can, can, can do that. It doesn't have to be the leader. Okay? So there are um, certainly important to honor and save face for the team members. And then to, you want to hold, you hold people accountable at the same time create that psychological safety. Do um, we have time for a, another story? I have a, Always. another-
0: Always, I love stories. Do it, do it. Yes. <laughs> so um, let me tell you a story of Jeff, okay? okay. Jeff
1: is, a, uh, is the financial director of a multinational company. And he is going through a crisis. What happened was that under his watch that a frontline employee had stolen $100,000 in an eight month period mm-hmm. without being detected mm-hmm. and so what happened was that Jeff as the financial director he designed and deployed this entire cash flow process that actually allowed the employee to commit this fraud undetected so it was a high profile case and it was discussed not only in the security meetings but also spread quickly around the company and Jeff felt personally responsible for this and also personally victimized, okay? And it was an example of losing faith big time Everybody knows. So very soon, the company's COO planned a meeting with Jeff and his team. Wanted to talk about this issue. And the stress consumed Jeff. Everybody could see that he lost weight. Mm -hmm. He couldn't sleep. And he developed a bad rash. And for days, he felt like a dead man walking. So when the day actually arrived, the COO, everybody was waiting waiting nervously in the conference room for the COO to arrive. And the, the COO walked in. And he broke the tension with just one sentence. He said, I don't care about the theft. He said, the fact is unavoidable, whether you're running a hot dog stand or a multinational company. The company was insured and would be made whole. Mm -hmm. And he continued, I only want to know that you plan to review the process and fix it. And from what I can see, you're well on your way. Okay, so... Everybody could see Jeff's demeanor immediately brightened. Okay, and for the rest of the meeting, they Jeff and his team focused on focus focusing on problem solving and moving forward. And Jeff returned to his job with renewed energy. The COO had saved his face. Okay, he created. How did he do it? Right. He created psychological safety for Jeff while holding him accountable. So he didn't say, it's okay, you don't have to deal with it, you're still accountable for this, but he made mm-hmm. him feel safe. And he was kind and firm at the same time. He chose his words carefully, and he showed humility and emotional intelligence when dealing with an emotionally delicate situation. And he helped Jeff overcome shame and embarrassment quickly and refocus his energy on solving the problem at hand and moving forward. He sent a clear message to Jeff and his team. I trust you. I have confidence in you that you will do the right thing. And that's saving yeah. peace.
0: That's powerful, powerful. It just brings it all alive. And Maya, I've really enjoyed learning more. I can see copies of the book there. I had it in digital version. So I can't wait to get my physical uh, version so I can add it to my collection in my bookcase. But Maya, as we get to the end of our conversation, how can people get in touch with you, get the book, learn more about the services that you provide to leaders around the world?
1: It's very easy. You go to my website. <laughs> uh, my website is just my name, www.mayahuchan.com. And uh, uh, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, we have actually three different versions print version, audio version, and as well as ebook. So it, it's available now.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much. I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy and I wish you every success. I look forward to our next conversation.
1: Thank you so much, Morag. It's my
0: pleasure.